What is better than this? It's guys being dudes. Here on the Draft Dudes Podcast, I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, and I am by myself. Uh, Dad's, I mean Joe's, tenure as a new dad is continuing throughout the weekend. He will be back on Monday. I am not giving him the option. He's had his time to celebrate and be a dad. But damn it, we need him back on this show. It is not the same without him. And and if you cannot tell, I am also today, as compared to yesterday, not sitting in the hotel lobby to record draft dudes. So we're gonna get uh, some. So we're gonna have some fun today because what I want to do is I want to turn the page from the Senior Bowl. We had three days of practices. The game itself is tomorrow. All the NFL guys are out of here. I'm still down in I'm I'm still downtown Mobile. I'm sitting here looking at. Uh, uh, the the water at the shipping containers across the street from my room. It's a beautiful view, let me tell you. But uh, what I want to do today is I want to talk about NFL free agency and what I specifically want to talk about, because I've had some really interesting conversations down here in Mobile. I want to talk about the free agent class of quarterbacks and where some of these old guard guys might make sense to end up going. And it's pretty, it's pretty fascinating because Tom Brady, free agent, 41 years old. Drew Brees. 41 years old, free agent. Ryan Tannehill, 32. Dak Prescott. Jameis Winston at 26. And Jameis himself was the inspiration for this conversation. Because we're talking about Jameis Winston, myself, and some of my TDN colleagues. And the question came up and said, "Where, um, where should Jameis go? Like, where's a place that it's not Tampa that makes sense for Jameis. And you start doing the math, and it's like, well, he probably ain't going to New England. He's definitely not going to Buffalo. He's definitely not going to New York. He's probably de- almost definitely not going to Miami, considering what, what the, the restrictions are and what Brian Flores wants in a quarterback. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens don't need him. The Pittsburgh Steelers, may, maybe. Cleveland Browns have Baker Mayfield. Cincinnati Bengals are going to pick a quarterback with a number one over pick. Houston Texans have Deshaun Watson. The Tennessee Titans seem like they're going to get uh, remarried to, to Ryan Tannehill this offseason. The Indianapolis Colts, maybe. The Jacksonville Jaguars, they flushed $75 plus million in guaranteed money down the, the toilet over the last 18 months on Blake Bortles and Nick Foles. They ain't going to sign Jameis to $30 million a year. Kansas City Chiefs don't need him. Denver Broncos, Oakland Raiders, LA Chargers. Like in the AFC alone, there, there's only like three maybes. You get to the NFC side, Eagles, no. Cowboys are probably going to re sign Dak. No. Daniel Jones in New York. Washington has Dwayne Haskins, who Daniel Snyder loves. He ain't going to Green Bay. He ain't going to Minnesota because Kirk Cousins is under contract. Chicago seems like they're going to stand, stand pat with Mitch Trubisky. Detroit Lions? Question mark? Maybe. He ain't going to New Orleans. He ain't going to Atlanta with Matt Ryan. Carolina? Maybe. San Francisco? No. Seattle? No. LA? No. Arizona? No. So there's like five maybes. And some of these five teams don't have the cap space 
to sign Jameis Winston, and Jameis Winston is going to ask for $30 million a year. And he threw 30 picks this year. I have a really hard time getting excited about paying a guy that kind of money. And if the, if the teams decide we're not going to pay Jameis that because the ball security is a huge problem for us, we don't want to get it, does he just go back to Tampa and take less money? Like it's it's a really hard proposition to try and come up with a definitive answer of where a spot would be to try to land and peg Jameis Winston. Really, really difficult. So Jameis, for me, if I think about the teams that are available, I like the fit in Indianapolis. Indianapolis is is projected to have one of the most boastful cap space situations in the entire NFL this offseason. Close to $100 million in cap. They elected not to spend a lot of it last year. Jacoby Brissett they like, but he kind of turned out to be what we anticipated he was going to be, which is an adequate quarterback who's not going to win you a lot of games, He's not going to lose you a lot of games. Kind of puts you in this no man land, no man's land situation where you could you could take it or leave it. And um, the the Colts, I don't think Chris Ballard will spend the money though. So I would have to cross them off the list. I don't. I could see a fit in Pittsburgh with Jameis's style versus Big Ben's style, um, but I don't see that being a realistic outcome. And Ben Roethlisberger coming back to play next year. Uh, kind of leaves us in the dark there, and then you, you shift to the LA Chargers. Well, you know they, they are apparently interested in in moving on from Philip Rivers, and there's some names that they might be interested in. One that kind of was whispered around uh, down here, I was told once or twice, was some interesting potentially trying to trade for Cam Newton. We don't know what Carolina is going to do with Cam. Does he become available? What would they trade for him? This is a really messy rabbit hole that we've just come down. And um, we've got about five, six, six weeks until we get some answers. And, And God bless the NFL that it's that quick of a turnaround. They've done such a wonderful job of making sure there's no downtime anywhere in this calendar, right? Uh, Cam, or I'm sorry, uh, Jameis, I don't see Carolina going that route. They're going to want to hit the reset button. That's why they brought in Matt Rule and Joe Brady and Dave Tepper's going to invest a ton of money in sports science. I mean, they're they're going to start young. So I don't think that, that fit makes sense either. Uh, Detroit, maybe. It's interesting, right? Like the Matt Stafford is a guy who pushes the ball down the field. He struggled at some stretches for ball security issues, and Jameis is a lot of the same. Jameis is also five years younger than Matt Stafford. He doesn't have the injury issues that Matt Stafford has. Uh, so if Detroit could get a team to take to take the bait and, and attack Matt Stafford, sure, I think Detroit is a, a pretty uh, reasonable outcome for a team that could be interested in Jameis Winston if they end up moving on from Matt Stafford. How would that look financially? Uh, The Lions are projected to have $47 million in cap space with $21 million of that going to Matt Stafford. Now here's the problem. Matt Stafford has a very messy contract on his hands. 
they would have to cut him after 2021 to save $19 million in dead cap. If Detroit cut him now, they'd have $32 million in dead cap, which means they would lose an additional $10 million in space. If they traded him before January or before June 1st, they would lose an additional $10 million in cap space trying to move Matt Stafford. So that's the big thing in Detroit right now as well. The Lions are they're looking into moving on from Matthew Stafford and uh, drafting Tua Tunga-Viola in this, the third overall pick. Let's use our brains here. Do we really think Detroit is going to move from a $21.3 million dead cap hit to a $32 million cap hit for Matt Stafford this year if they did it, they would have to draft a young quarterback. There's no way they could get away with doing this and signing Jameis. So I've just talked myself out of it. It will not happen. But do you think Detroit, as a team that needs to win now because their coaching staff has regressed and their players and their team has regressed in every year under the watchful eye of Matt Patricia, and when you watch the Senior Bowl practices down here, you can't possibly imagine why this team struggles if they're running their practices the way they ran the Senior Bowl. This becomes, this narrative for Detroit is pretty simple. This is, they're trying to drum up interest because the teams that are sitting behind Detroit do not have a lot of urgency to move up to three right now at this point. So Detroit is thinking to themselves, I guarantee you this is the situation. Detroit is saying, we have to paint the picture like we are in the market because that would give us the leverage and us the power in negotiations with teams that want to trade up to three. Because right now Miami's sitting at five, two spots behind us, and they don't have a freaking care in the world. Because they're going to wait to hear and find out what teams are offering us. And then they're going to come over the top and beat those offers. But right now, with two of his medicals up in the air and being questionable, Miami has no urgency to, to, to pay a premium, right? And if you think Detroit's in the quarterback market, Miami all of a sudden feels like, wow, we're going to have to overpay. So we convinced Detroit to come off their idea of drafting a quarterback. That's what's going on here. Detroit is not going to take a $32 million dead cap hit, which is what they would take. If they were to trade him. And I have a really hard time thinking that Detroit would retain Matt Stafford through January 1st or through Mar June 1st to get into the quote unquote uncapped year where there's no, no uh, dead cap after June 1st. Because if you hold Matt Stafford and you draft a quarterback, what do you think the value is that you're going to get for Matt Stafford now? Nothing. Teams have no reason to give you anything worth anything. And when you have a talented player, you know, this is a little bit of apples to oranges, but when you have a talented player and you as the team cut off your own leverage in negotiations for trading of that player, look at what happened with the Houston Texans last year with Jadavion Clowney and what they got back. A third-round pick, Jacob Martin, and some other guy. 
That's it. That's what you got for Jadavion Clowney. Because Houston didn't have the leverage because Clowney didn't sign his tender. Clowney says, I'm only going to go where I want to go play. If I don't like it, I'm not going to show up and sign the tender. So Detroit is on the clock. Really, the draft starts with Detroit. We've said this for a while. And this news report of Matt Stafford looking to be moved out of Detroit, this feels like Detroit trying to drum up the urgency from the teams around them to get them to take Detroit seriously as the team that has the leverage in negotiations, which is fun. That's really fun. Like that's that's, but you have to be able to see it from points of view and what the alternating or the the alternate motive is for teams, and uh, that was something that made a lot of sense to me. And I'm sitting here thinking about this Detroit situation. So that leaves Jameis with Indianapolis question mark or Tampa Bay. I I really can't see a lot of teams that make a lot of sense. NFC East doesn't make sense. NFC North doesn't make sense because Detroit's out because Detroit's not going to take dead cap and then sign Jameis Winston. They're not going to do it. Carolina needs to start young. NFC West doesn't make sense. And then you get to the AFC East, like, or AFC West, like, Denver's probably going to take a look and see what they got with Drew Locke. John Gruden and the Raiders, like, he's probably had it up to here with Derek Carr. Team scored 113 points this year. But I'd be willing to bet John doesn't want to bring in a guy that's throwing 30 picks. Chargers? Maybe. It's, it's either Tampa, Indy, or the Chargers. Those are the only realistic options for Jameis. Which then, we got to ask what's happening with Philip Rivers. What's pouring out for Eli Manning, who hung it up? Congratulations to Eli for... Uh, a storied career. I think eventually he will end up in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I would be stunned if he was a first ballot Hall of Famer, but he should be a Hall of Famer down the road uh, with some of the, the raw numbers that he put up in passing yardage volume, almost 60,000 passing yards and uh, 366 passing touchdowns and two Super Bowl MVPs and two Super Bowl rings. So he's done enough. He's going to get in again, whether you like it or not. What about Phillip Rivers? Rivers was bad this year. I think that's probably the best way to put it. I admire that that Rivers continues to play behind uh, an offensive line and a team that, that has really struggled to consistently stay healthy and enable him to be the best version of himself. But this looked like, to me, 38-year-old Phillip Rivers looked like what Dan Marino looked like at the end of his career. As a Dolphins fan, it's, it's the best thing that I can, can draw to and point to. And for some people, they might say, well, Peyton Manning in the last year of his, his career. The arm's dead. And I, th- I think Phillip Rivers is going to have a really hard time uh, getting a look to be a starting quarterback for a team in 20, 2020. Because who's, who wants to sign up for that? Who wants to sign up for a guy who really can't push the ball down the field? I know there's some whispers and rumors that Phillip Rivers in Tampa because Rivers moved his family to Florida. You're going to put Rivers in Arians' offense and ask him to play in a vertical downfield passing offense for 600 pass attempts next year? I have a hard time seeing that working out really well for Tampa Bay and Bruce Arians as a coach who's going to need to win. You know, he, he's, he's an older coach that came back and is in year two of a program, and, and he's going to want to win. 
And Phillip Rivers, the only way you bring him in is if you pair him with a young quarterback right away, but you expect that quarterback to give you a chance to start. It's a pretty fascinating scenario. And Rivers is a, t- a quarterback I have an even harder time trying to peg a landing spot to than what Jameis Winston was because he's old and he, he, the, the arm is not available to him. Um, Rivers, I think, is probably going to be destined to a cheap signing for a backup somewhere. Teddy Bridgewater. What about Teddy Bridgewater? What about Marcus Mariota? There's some fascinating... I mean, there's eight quarterbacks that have been significant starting quarterbacks in the NFL over the last five years. Teddy in Minnesota, Dak in Dallas, Drew in New Orleans, Tom with New England, Tannehill with the Dolphins and Titans, Jameis Winston with the Bucks, Philip Rivers. And I can't find a good spot for, like, the vast majority of them. Because the teams that need quarterbacks are either sitting at the top of the charts, Cincinnati, Miami at five, question mark, Detroit, I'm not buying it, but maybe. You think about Carolina at seven, the Chargers at six, I mean, we, we named five names there in the top seven picks, and you're going to have Joe Burrow, Tua Tunga Viola, Justin Herbert, maybe Jordan Love. You get the Colts at 13. I think that's that's a pretty realistic spot for Jordan Love at this point in time, unless something were to come out about the red flags for any of those guys. So you're going to get four guys infused in for five spots. And then you have some of these other openings. Like, what does New England choose to do if Tom Brady leaves? No idea. No idea. They'd probably draft Jake Fromm on day two, and they'd probably sign, like, Marcus Mariota to come in on a short-term bridge, Teddy Bridgewater. So you can, I mean, you if if Tom leaves, obviously that, that domino opens up a whole can of worms that is, you know, something I'd like to safer with Joe. But, um... It's going to be really fun to watch this play out because there are names that we have associated with teams for decades. Decades. Tom Brady, literally decades, multiple decades. And he might be playing somewhere else. And the rumors with Tom is either the Chargers or the, either the Chargers or Raiders are the two teams that are most popular right now. I'd love to see Tom go to Oakland. Please, please go to Oakland. I beg you, go play with the Raiders. Namely because I actually think the Raiders have an offensive line and a running game that could help Tom have some success. And everybody's freaking out that Tom Brady's talking to uh, Dave, uh, Mark Davis. Who cares? They were talking at a, a sporting function. Now, if he signs there, let's get weird. Like that, I could actually get excited about seeing what that experiment looks like with Gruden. Oakland has two top 20 picks. You sign Tom Brady, you get some explosive playmakers. They got a good running game. They got physical offensive line. I'm down with that. I'd love to see Tom go to Oakland if they choose to move on. But if they do that, where the hell's Derek Cargo? <laughs> it's, a, it's a nonstop. The carousel with quarterbacks, it doesn't end. And that's what makes it so fascinating is every move is going to have two chain reaction moves that's going to really shake up the old guard and the new guard of the young guys like Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson and Carson Wentz and 
We might see a jump from Kyler Murray in year two, and which one of the the 2018 quarterbacks is going to bounce back in a big way, whether it's Adam or Adam Gase's New York Jets offense, which I doubt with Sam Darnold, or maybe Baker Mayfield with Kevin Stefanski stepping in there. So the new this is an we're entering a new era of NFL quarterbacks in the faces of the league, and that's really exciting, really exciting, and I can't wait to see how it plays out, and I cannot wait to attend the Senior Bowl, which I will do tomorrow. And I cannot wait for Joe to be back on this podcast, which he will be on Monday. So come on back. See us on Monday. Enjoy the Senior Bowl. Enjoy the Pro Bowl. And we'll talk to you on Monday. Thanks, as always, for tuning in to the Draft Dudes Podcast for this chaotic, just mind dump. Because I've been stewing on this for about 16 hours. It felt good to get it off my chest and get you guys involved with it as well.